kind of said this last hour too. We I promoted the last couple of weeks, basically saying we're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be going into roles, and based on the numbers today, I think I scared some people away. So, um, I'll tell you what. This has been a lot of fun. As the previous college pastor and the venue having kind of a young family demographic, a lot of young dating couples in here, I get to do a lot of weddings. Uh, I'll do six weddings in five months this year. And uh, it's amazing because as I do them, I start to realize, and I I didn't recognize this about myself, I get really passionate about these roles, these topics, because marriage for me has been the single most powerful tool God has used in my life to make me look more like Jesus. So I didn't realize how passionate I was until I started getting into this and realizing I have a vested interest in this continuing to function. Uh, in the fact that God kind of draws us close and marriage, you just those of you who are in it uh, and who've been in it for more than 10 minutes, know it's not something you can really do on your own. It's hard at times. Now, I'm gonna set this up. Here's what we're gonna do. The next two weeks, are going to be, this week we'll talk to husbands about their role, which will be headship. Uh, Next week we'll talk to wives about their role, which is loving submission. And uh, already you're kind of starting to kind of crink a little bit and go, these sound awful. And and I'll just tell you, they're not. Uh, They're beautiful. Both of them are are wonderful. And what what has happened is that these are widely misunderstood, culturally speaking. Uh, Culture has just taken these two roles, and they've said for husbands to be the head is a completely archaic biblical lens. We need to ditch it completely. There needs to be mutual everything, and and that's it. And they say, in submission, have you have you lost your mind? Uh, gosh, what women are a doormat? Now, this is this is just silly. You you are so foolish in the way that you think about things. And my hope today uh, and and next week as well is to do some redeeming of what God says is a beautiful thing. And uh, that's what the scriptures point to. Um, Each week, here's what we're going to do. And this is why I say I've bitten off a lot uh, from a preaching standpoint. Each week, we're going to talk about these roles to that specific spouse. And I will talk to the other spouse about how to encourage that role. So this week, we'll talk about headship. I'll encourage wives in how to encourage headship uh, within your marriage and within your husband. In addition to that, I'll be talking to singles. Singles, don't check out. Uh, I'll be talking to you about how to start practicing this role and how to start looking for this role. Okay, so single guys at the end, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to dive in and tell you this is what it looks like to start practicing headship now. Ladies, this is what you should be looking for. And we'll talk through that. So singles, don't just tune out and certainly don't wait till the end because you'll miss everything. Okay, one qualifier. My wife's name is Jamie. Okay, our senior pastor's name is Jamie. (laughs) For the next two weeks, give me the benefit of the doubt. That when I say Jamie and I went to a romantic dinner and we were talking about some of these things, I'm not talking about our senior pastor. Yeah? You would be shocked how many people walk up and they go, hey, you know what? I heard you tell that story and I thought you were talking. Yeah, I wasn't. Okay? Let's move on. All right. Uh, so let's just remember that because if that gets confusing for you, um, don't tell me about it. I, I warned you. Okay. So, All right, husbands, uh, we're going to talk today about this idea of headship. Uh, most of us don't understand it. We don't, certainly don't live it to its fullest, and it is, it's just misunderstood. Um, we come into marriage kind of thinking a lot of things about what our role will be, and ho- I, I don't think many of us walk into what I hope to kind of open up a little bit today as to what our role is in our marriages. And so uh, I need you to hear me loud and clear. This is an us thing, okay? I am not standing up here as a guy who will be married 10 years next, uh, next February, I'm not standing up here saying, I got this figured out. I'm really good at this. 
so you should listen to me. I'm telling you, I fail at this all the time. I'm speaking from experience, and I hate to do things alone, so you're all coming with me, okay? <laughs> I have crazy FOMO, it's fear of missing out, and I don't want you guys to miss out on this, so we're gonna do this together. But I want you to hear a conviction today, not a condemnation. Men, as strong as we think we are sometimes, we run to guilt and shame so fast when we are perceived as failing, and so we just disappear into our little shame hut, and if, it's, if I don't tell you this right now, you're gonna sit here for the next 30 minutes and go, oh my gosh, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. No, you're not. I am gonna shout the words of Jesus over you today, husbands, and tell you, A, you can do this, B, you were built for it, and C, he's gonna help you. That is the voice of Christ over every husband in this room today. You have to hear that, okay? You're not failing. We simply need to just wake up and start taking some steps forward. So uh, let me do this. Let me read our passage. It's kind of the classic passage on marriage, Ephesians 5. I'm going to start in verse 23. We don't have it up on the screen today, but I'll read it for you, so just listen. And uh, this is verse 23. This is the whole headship concept in one verse. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Okay? That's our classic statement there. Verse 25 through 33 breaks it down. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Uh, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, mis- uh, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I'm going to submit to you guys today that uh, what Paul does here is, is beautiful. It's, it's, from a literary standpoint, it's, it's complete. It's perfect. He, he goes, uh, Paul shows us two roles today, which we're going to talk about. He uses two metaphors to do that, and both of those metaphors point us towards two natures that we have access to, okay? So two, two roles, two metaphors, and two natures. First role is this. Loving headship provides protection for the wife, okay? Protection, that's our first role. Everybody say protection. protection. 25% of you are listening. Let's try that one more time. Everybody say protection. protection. Okay, great. Good job. All right, protection, that's the first deal. Ephesians 25 says this, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's a, it's a giving, right? Now, each of these roles that we're gonna talk about today are designed to fulfill a need that God has placed within your wife. All right? These roles are not haphazard. God didn't screw something up and, oh, hey, we misconnect here. No, he goes, I'm gonna give you a role that fulfills a need. I'm gonna give you a role that fulfills a need. So the need looks like this for our wives. God has placed within our wives a need to feel secure. Ladies, am I wrong? A little louder? Okay, a need to feel secure. We're gonna have to start participating in this, okay? Need to feel secure, and he's instructed us as the husband to provide protection. Okay, when we, with the help of the Spirit of God, provide an environment that is emotionally, physically, relationally, and spiritually safe, we are in one way loving our wives. There is a need within our wives to feel that sense of security. Now, I'm gonna kind of caution this. 
What the scripture is talking about here, it's not talking about necessarily your marriage and the specific circumstances that exist within it. Because it's easy right now to say this, that's not how it works in my house right now, and I'm not happy about it. Okay, that's fine, but that's not what the scripture is talking about. The scripture is setting an example. It is setting something beautiful up there and going, if you participate in these roles in this way, this is possible. This is the best way to do it. You may be sitting there and going, but I have circumstance 829 of 10,000. I go, okay, great, but this would be like a 365-day sermon series if we touched on all of them. We're not gonna. I'm gonna sit back and say, this is what the scriptures are pointing us to. I know they're extenuating circumstances, and the body of Christ comes in as a family and through discipleship addresses those circumstances and then points the scriptures and lets the scriptural lens wash over them. Does that make sense? Okay, so already, quiet the voice of culture that says, yeah, but this isn't for you. It's for us, okay? So that's the need. Now, Paul uses the metaphor of Christ and his bride to speak to a nature that we have access to, okay? A divine nature. The divine nature. What divine nature dwells within us as people? Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Good, we're getting better at this. We're gonna make it, okay? It's the Holy Spirit, Okay, here's my gospel message for the day. It is really hard to be Jesus to your home, which is where I'm taking you in just a second, if you don't know Jesus. Okay? If you're sitting in this room and you're a husband and you're going, you know what? I'm generally disinterested. I don't really, I'm I'm still kind of searching. That's fine. Keep searching. Keep evaluating the claims of Christ. But I'll tell you, if you're sitting back and you're hearing this today and going, I don't really know if I can do that. I'm telling you, I'm I'm not, I'd be, I'm going to just say it. I think it's impossible to be Christ to your home without Christ. You can reflect his image, but my, my encouragement to you today is this. If you're sitting here and you're going, I don't totally know Jesus, but what you're saying really resonates and I want access to that, great news. You have access to all of these tools that I'm gonna talk about today through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would love nothing more than to talk to you about that when we're done here today. But it is an incredible, incredible presence that we'll need. And Paul addresses that divine nature within the Holy Spirit that we need to stir us in order to sacrificially respond to our wives. And that's really the metaphor. Guys, we sit back all the time and we kind of go, you know, I'm supposed to be a better husband. So I'm going to aim at this guy or that guy. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that we are to be unto our wives as Christ was to his bride the church. What did his sacrifice look like? What did it look like for him to give himself up for his bride? It looked like he laid down his life. He gave everything he had to his bride. There was no, um, I got this that I need to do or that that I need to do. I need some downtime, right? I need some me time, right? No, he poured everything. Our model is impossible, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of sacrifice. Most of us, when we get the idea of being the head of something, when I say you need to be the head of your home, what's the picture that comes to mind for most of us is we live in this kind of capitalistic culture where it's, everything is about production. How much are you producing, producing, producing? And so as husbands, when we hear, I gotta be the head of something, we think we need to be the head of our home like somebody would be the head of a company. We think we need to be the CEO of our home. And so what happens is we step in, and what does every good CEO do? He basically spends most of his time distant in the corner office, tending to the company and thinking, 
And then when it's time for him to walk into the boardroom, there's tons of problems in the boardroom. And the husband, and the CEO in that case would sit down and he'd walk in and he'd go, hey, um, this problem over here, this is what we need to do. And it gets solved. And this is, this over here, you could do that, do that, do that. And he comes in and he lays down nine edicts, which inevitably solve all the problems. And then he sort of goes, thanks, I'll collect my check. I'll be in the corner office if you need me. But here's the problem, guys. Your home doesn't need a CEO. Your home needs an earthly reflection of Jesus. The CEO model has to go away. It has to be shattered because your home doesn't need it. Your home doesn't need one more person telling everyone what to do. Your home needs an individual to walk in and to say, perceived need, legitimate need, it does not matter. I am here to lay everything down to give myself up that she might have me. That's what your home needs. That's protection. You see, it takes the bride and it goes, I put you back here. I stand before you and I protect you. I stand in front of you and protect you. And I lay everything I have down that you might experience the security that comes with my earthly protection. Does that sound like a CEO? Flying around the country on a jet? Cool cocktail parties? No. That's not what your home needs. Your home needs Jesus. Here's the reality. I'll, I'll tap into this. Every guy does this, right? Okay, imagine with me, men. Here's the deal. Your wife is standing there, and she's standing in the, in the street, and she's having a conversation. She gets distracted. Ladies, I'm not saying this would ever happen, okay? And you're standing in the street, and she's talking to a friend that's over there on a curb. And you can see, she can't really see it coming from behind her, but there's a 5,000-pound Escalade just ripping her way. Somebody's texting, and it's barreling down at 50 miles an hour. Every husband does the same thing because we have this innate deal. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. God forbid one of you were on your cell phone and didn't raise your hand. I'd ruin your weekend, okay? But husbands are standing there. We see that happening, and we just start. We, we Arnold up, and we just start, get to the choppa, and we get there, and we shove the wife out of the way, and we take the hit. And what is the, what's the picture afterwards, right? It's every romantic comedy we've ever seen. The husband's kind of hobbling along on the crutches going, you know, I did it for her, Right? That's our picture of physical protection. And every guy goes, I'd absolutely do that. I would give my body, I would lay down my life to protect her. That's awesome. Why are we having such a tough time putting down our iPhones at five o'clock? Why? Why is it so hard for us to protect our wives relationally put them behind us and saying, this is over. I'm going to protect you from feeling like that is more important than you. And relationally, I'm going to stand in front of you, give of my downtime. I just need to relax for a minute. It's not downtime. Jesus didn't go, you know, it's kind of inconvenient to go to the cross. I'd rather not. In fact, he submitted that very question, didn't he? Are you sure? Can this cup pass from my hand? No. Okay. Then let your will be done. Why won't we stand in front of our wives relationally that they would feel more important? Why would we protect them from that? Why is it that we have a tough time getting off the golf course if our wives need us? Why are we not, why are we afraid to give up our hobby time, our personal time? We've got to be willing to give ourselves up that she might have us. That's headship. We protect not just physically, don't just take the Escalade for her. That's not a, I mean, awesome, do that. But she needs relational, she needs emotional, she needs spiritual headship and protection. 
I get to talk to gals all the time. I, I'm like kind of the final stop before they're like, I'm done. <laughs> and they come in and they go, you know, hey, this and this and this and this is happening. And I say, can I just ask you a question? If he were to, because it's kind of my little social experiment, and, and sometimes it seems off topic, but I go, if he were to sacrificially lay everything down to spiritually, uh, relationally, emotionally, physically lead your home, to be its leader, to be the head of your house, would you love that? Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. I would, I would fall in behind that in a heartbeat. That would be incredible. Huh, maybe this whole thing could just work. There's a great quote along here from a pastor, and a buddy of mine reminds me of it often. It says, the woman provides the spiritual atmosphere of a home, which I completely believe, and the man provides the level of sacrifice. I get to do weddings all the time. I just did one last night, Kevin and Erica Melroy, who attend the venue, and they're in Dave and Cindy Scholl's small group. They sat there, and they got married. And I got to look at Kevin in the midst of the ceremony, and I used that quote. And I said, Kevin, I want to challenge you today. And I told him the quote, and I said, here's the reality. You have to set a high bar for sacrifice in your home. Don't set a bar so low that even your 12-year-old could fall over it. And if you, you know, if you do that, that'll be on you. Set a high bar. Make sure that nobody else sacrifices dad because your family will follow that leadership. Guys, today I'll challenge you. If you're looking around your home and you're going, everybody's so stinking selfish, I'm going to say that a large part of that's on you. That's on us. And what you need to do right now is put your phone down and put all your hobbies down and get in there and start sacrificing for your family because it will get their attention and lo and behold, people will start to follow after you as they find sacrifice attractive. Look at dad. Dad is laying it down for us. We're going after dad. That is the best way to get your wife's attention. Just lay it down. Lay everything down. But what happens most times when I talk to men, they bring all their stuff and they go, I don't want to change any of this, but I'd like a better marriage. <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that. Why don't you keep wandering around with your hands full of stuff that you don't want to give up and see what happens. And eventually we get desperate enough to go, enough's enough. What do I got to do? So you just did it. Let go. Now let God. Second role, loving headship provides honor for the wife. Back into Ephesians 28 through 30 says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of the body. Also helpful here, 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, there's a need on the other side here that gets hit and hit in a big way. God has placed within your wife a need to be treated with honor, okay? To honor your wife is to recognize the worth that God has placed within her. We have to respond to our wives' needs by listening and initiating sacrificial action. Paul taps into the second nature here by using this metaphor of man and his body. The nature that he taps into here is a human fallen nature. Anybody want to argue with me that you got one of those running around in your life? No, we have a fallen nature. What does Paul know? Paul goes, oh, you are selfish. I know you're selfish. So if this divine nature metaphor of you tying into Christ and his church was too much for you, let me bring it down to something you can totally understand. You know your body? Yeah, yeah, my body. Love my body. Yeah, okay. What do you want to do for it? Oh, man, I want to care for it. 
I want to make sure that it gets nourished and cherished. I want it to experience joy. I want to protect it from harm. I want it to experience comfort as often as possible. I want to, I want to and Paul goes, okay, well, time out. That's good. Let's stop there. That goes to her. The same way that you want to care for yourself, all that goes to her. Ooh, all that, well, that may be hard. No, it's going to be actually impossible unless the Holy Spirit tells you when to stop caring about yourself and pour that back into her to honor her. You see, uh, headship does this. It protects during times when it needs to, but then it does this. It brings the wife back out and it honors her as well. It stands in front of, that's what headship really is. It's standing in front of to protect, and then in beautiful moments where there's celebration, where there's honor to be had, he goes, boom, splendor. Isn't she lovely? Without spot or wrinkle. That's what it says that Christ does with his bride, that he presents her in such a way. Now guys, I'll tell you, our wives are killing us in this category. You wanna know how I know? The great social indicator of social media, right? Culture screams through Facebook. And I go on Facebook and I see wives sitting there going, he is awesome, he does this, he is amazing, he did this for me. And they are championing their husbands in incredible ways. And I very rarely see husbands jump on social media and go, man, give me a minute, world, listen up, my wife is the greatest woman alive. She is incredible, she serves me, she cares for me. She is everything I could have ever asked for. Why are we missing this easy opportunity to just fill your wife's heart? Let me tell you, that's easy. Your wife stumbles onto Facebook and sees that you've just publicly proclaimed her incredible works at home, her incredible works that in your life, the way that she fills you up. How do you think that's gonna go over? That's a softball, just hit that one deep. Get on Facebook and praise your wife but it provides honor. It steps out there, it nourishes, it cherishes. Where does your wife need to be nourished? Where does she need to be cherished? Every woman is different. This is not like, here's the 10 steps. Every guy will tell you that. Figure out where your wife needs love. It won't be the same. When you were single, it was one thing. When you got kids, it's a different thing. When you move into empty nest season, it's different still. Your wife is this beautiful, incredible creature created by God with specificity and character and you need to figure out where she needs to be loved and then honor her by doing those things. Place her out in front in those times. Okay, moving on. We're working towards a conclusion here. Culture hates this, guys. Hates it. It will do everything it can to feed you one preeminent lie. And I spent an hour up at the men's retreat talking about it. Culture wants you, wants you to believe that your primary role in your family, and he'll, this, the enemy's so awesome in, at this. He'll just, he'll come in and he'll go, you know what she really needs? You gotta provide, right? The enemy starts using biblical language to lure you away. This is not new. He did it with Christ at the temple. Hey, you can jump off. You'll be fine, right? He does all of that stuff. His game hasn't changed. It's just, this is specific to marriage. He goes, you gotta support her, right? You gotta provide. You gotta protect well, you know what she really needs? Here comes the lie. He was true in your role, but he comes in with the lie. He says, what she really needs is monetary. She needs stuff. Oh, and by the way, she needs you to look amazing to the rest of society. So if you come in and you're successful at your job and you make a bunch of money, you've given her everything she'll ever need. She'll come to admire you and respect you if you just do those things. And then what happens? 
Well, we continue to run down this road. We're killing ourselves every day and we're going, someday my family's gonna look at it and see it for what it is and they're just gonna love me for it because they'll finally catch up. And our wives start coming to us and what do they say? Well, I need you to spend some more time with me and some more time with the kids. And we go, but I gotta do these nine things at the office and I gotta do these nine things out of the office so that I can work the political game and someday I promise we'll be in the promised land and it'll be amazing. And your wife goes, I know, but I need you to do these things. And what do we say as husbands? It's never enough. She needs so much more from me. No, she doesn't need more. Do you know what she needs? It's different. She doesn't need more, she needs different. She needs you to stop pursuing your value at work and come home and decide that this is where your value will be found. In pursuing your first ministry with family and your value actually needs to be seated in Christ before you get up in the morning. That's what we talked about at the men's retreat. We gotta figure this out or we're a mess. But that's what your wife is saying. She's saying, I need different, but we don't like that because it's so easy. Guys, guess what? Welcome to my job. I show up here and people are very encouraging. Hey, Rustin, really liked your last video, liked your last sermon. Hey, these people think I'm great. What's at home? I gotta grow. I gotta change. Jesus is using my marriage to grind me down to look more like him. But over here, people take me exactly as I am. They show up and, you know, it's so sweet. No, that's not gonna work. Here's why. I had a really powerful uh, moment early in my ministry career. I'd been at SBC like a year. Things were starting to kind of stack up. And I was starting to get busy, trying to keep up with everything. Really good, a mentor and a friend looked at me, his name's Stu Graf. We were on our way back to his house to have a party and we'd pick something up. In the front seat of my car, I was starting to talk to Stu about, hey, I'm just getting busy and I don't know how to balance everything. I got a lot of plates spinning, there's balls in the air. I don't know what to do, which metaphor to use. And Stu looks over and he says this. That worked out better than I thought, all right. He said, Rustin, based on your wiring and your giftedness, Someday you have the potential to have your daughter standing next to someone whose life you've impacted greatly. And they will ask your daughter this question. What was it like having Rustin Rossello as a dad? He said, if you don't tend to your family as your first ministry, as well as your wife, the answer could sound like this. I don't know, I never knew him. He was out helping people like you. Oh, gosh, that crushed me. It absolutely broke me in half because the reality was this. That's totally true of me. That's exactly where my daughter could stand someday. Next to some giggly idiot who's just like, oh, Rustin was so great. And she looks over and goes, no, he really wasn't. He really wasn't that great. What I needed was for him to say no to people like you, for him to set boundaries. Even though it felt great to sit there and pour into your life and you were super appreciative, I needed a dad. Here's the reality. You guys are very encouraging. You pour a lot of encouragement into my life. There are hundreds of thousands of men around this country who could do my job. If I bolted out of here, you guys would have a new guy. SBC would hire somebody awesome. They'd put him in here. And within two months, I would be a figment of your imagination. Hundreds of thousands of guys. There is one man who can be a husband to Jamie and a father to Marley and McCoy, and that is me. The reality is, the reason you won't see me next week is because I'll be on vacation. Or two weeks from now, I'll be on vacation with my family. I'm setting a boundary this summer to say, I, could I preach every six weeks? These are golden opportunities. Yeah, I could, but my kids are in school now, so vacations are harder. So we're going on a summer vacation. 
we're gonna set boundaries that kind of say, if you get an email from me or when Sonia reaches back out to you and says, hey, I'm sorry, Rustin can't do that. He can't meet after certain hours of this and this. It's because I'm in a season with little kids where the most important time we have every week happens between sometimes three, sometimes four and five o'clock. We're in the pool. I know it sounds silly, but that's what my kids need. They need their dad to be there to play with them. Now, extenuating circumstances happen. I work late, I work weekends. Christmas, Easter, these are crazy times, but the sacrifice comes with, I try to get with them as much as I can. And so there's a reality that I've gotta be willing to set a boundary and not lose sight and exchange something that hundreds of thousands of guys could do to give up something that only one man can fulfill. And that's my role as a husband and a father. My first ministry has to be at home. Husbands, your first job, your first ministry has to be at home. You have to be there to protect and to honor your wife. You are the most beautiful example of, of headship your kids will ever see, ever. If you are missing the opportunity to show it to them, you are missing an incredible opportunity. Don't be shocked if someday they don't know how to do it. You are showing them now. Go be Jesus, don't say Jesus, okay? All right, conclusion. Husbands, eternal perspective. Parable Matthew uh, 25. Parable of the talents. Everyone's heard it. Master comes, here's 10, here's five, here's one. He gives all these talents and then they go off, they invest them. Master comes back and one of the servants basically digs a hole and throws it in there and goes, well, I don't wanna lose it, so I'm gonna bury it. Okay, good deal. And when the master comes back, he goes, what'd you do? I invested, well done. What'd you do? I invested. Okay, good job. What'd you do? I buried it, but here it is back. Wicked servant, he says. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. Someday God's gonna bring you before him and hold you accountable to the gifts that he gave you. You got a mercy gift. How'd you use your mercy gift to love others to my glory? Hey, you got an earning gift. I don't know what it is, I have the Midas touch. I go into business, things go great. Perfect, use it for God's glory, okay? We got a great country to do that in, all right? Hey, you've got a prophetic gift. Hey, you've got a, a grace gift, you've got a mercy gift. Great, use it for God's glory, okay? He's gonna hold us accountable to those things. Husbands, how much more do you think God might be interested, not in just how you stewarded some inanimate gift, but how you cared for one of his daughters? Because I can tell you as a dad, I'm gonna be real interested in how somebody treats mine someday. Someday you will stand before the God of all creation and you will hear questions like these, did you protect her? Did you honor her? Did you sacrifice for her the way I would have sacrificed for her? Did you reflect me to her? Because standing before the God of all creation, here's what you don't wanna hear. A silence on your end followed by a <clears throat> um, If I could divert your attention over here for just a minute. Uh, I made a bunch of money. It was really good, I made a bunch of money. Oh, I, I was very popular. I don't know if you heard. I did some videos at the church, maybe you saw them. I, uh, I actually, I, I, I had a great, I was a five handicap. Oh, I killed it on my iPhone every day from five to six. Because God's not gonna care. He's gonna wanna know, how'd you deal with his daughter? How'd you take care of his daughter? How did you protect her? How did you honor her? Did you care for her the way I would have cared for her? Husbands, that's your perspective when you get up in the morning. It's to aim all of that at your first job, which is to care and to be the head of your home, which is not to be its CEO, but to be Jesus to your home. 
Are you, are you giving yourself up for her? I'm not gonna say that all marriage problems are headship problems. That would be probably far too reaching, but I'll tell you this. Homes that have a strong sense of headship and loving, loving headship where it is being laid down, not in a CEO dictator type way, but in a Jesus type way, don't tend to struggle anywhere near the way the rest of them do. Those percentages are crazy high because it requires a ton of humility and growth to do that. Does that make sense? Headship problems are huge problems because headship is the catalyst, the spark plug for your marriage. And what we'll talk about next week in Loving Submission comes behind, it responds to headship. And we're gonna talk about it because it's out there, but where headship isn't present, there's nothing to respond to. And we'll talk about that next week. I'm gonna have Jamie up here on stage. She'll spend some time with me talking about our marriage where headship wasn't present for two and a half years, what that looked like versus now. Okay, wives, I promised you some encouragement. Secret about your husband. Your husband has a deep desire within his heart to do something very unique, and it's to be your hero. Your husband wants to be your hero. He won't say it. Uh, Depending on how introverted, he may not communicate it very well. He wants to be your hero, and this is what that means. He wants to do things that you look at and go, man, this guy. Look at this guy. He is just ringing the bell every day. I love him. Look at what he's doing. This is awesome. He wants to be championed by you, and at times it kills him because he fails. So he trickles off to his shame hut, and just goes, I'm just gonna camp out here because I can't seem to figure this out. I'm gonna give you some encouragement. Your husband's love language is encouragement. This is what this can look like. If your husband is waking up to the idea of headship and he makes a quarter inch step towards sacrificially loving his home and initiating sacrifice for you, and let's say that this journey is a mile and he takes a quarter inch step, don't tell him about the mile. Praise the quarter inch champion him, encourage him. And I know there may be hurt, there may be wounding, there may be things going on that this will be hard to do, but to the best of your ability, go, honey, that is awesome. This fills my heart, this thing that you did. Oh, because what does he hear? We're like dogs. Give him a treat. (laughs) He'll do it again. All right? Encourage him. It is his love language. He longs to be respected by you. And when you sit there, because God's wired him for that. He's wired to go and pursue that. And so when you look at him and you challenge him and you go, oh, sweetie, this is awesome. This is amazing. He goes, okay, I'll do it again. (laughs) It's simple. Okay, I promise this. Singles, I hope you've been listening. This is my challenge to you, singles. Men, hear me loud and clear, okay? You have to start serving a bride if you're ever going to serve your own, all right? This is what this looks like to you singles. If you're a guy out there and you can't stop pursuing your job, money, selfishness, the pursuit of you, whatever that celebration looks like in your world right now, if you can't stop doing that long enough to engage and serve the bride of Christ, serving in the church, if you can't stop doing those things long enough now to serve the bride of Christ, how do you ever expect to do it when you are someday serving your own? You won't. In fact, you might as well make an appointment with Sonia now for 12 months after you get married with me and you'll sit down and go, hey, Rustin, she doesn't think I'm awesome. And I'll go, I don't either. You're selfish. (laughs) Start now. Single guys, dive in and start serving Christ's bride, the church, okay? Because if you start serving her sacrificially now, 
Watch what will happen. The Lord starts going, hey, this guy, he's watching, guys. He's sitting there. Unless you're telling me, I feel called to singleness, which is a very unique call, and you're sitting there, you're going, okay, the Lord's for you. So continue to walk that road. Sacrifice what you have to serve the bride of Christ. And don't be shocked if someday he goes, wow, you're doing a great job here. You know what? I'm going to give you a bride of your own. I think you're ready to care for one. That's how that can work. And oh, by the way, cute chicks at church is not a bad way to find a wife. Okay, let's just, let's do this stuff. All right, but that's the starting place. Go serve the bride of Christ. You'll never be able to serve your own. Ladies who are single, all the single ladies, I've been waiting 40 minutes to say it. It was right there. Ladies, this is what you're looking for, okay? I'll tell you right now, if you're in a relationship with the guy who is sitting back and goes, you know what? I don't really uh, have time to do this or to do that because I'm constantly working. I, I, I got a big job. I got this, I got that. Continental-sized red flag. Him putting a ring on your finger is not going to change that. If he's too busy for you now because he can't give up his stuff to sacrificially start spending some time with you, we're not even talking about covenantal marriage stuff. It's just, he's too busy for me while we date. Run, run. Because it's gonna be the same story and you removing yourself for that specific reason might wake him up to going, oh wow, I'm gonna lose a gal because I'm too selfish. Yeah, you are. And someday it may cost you a wife. Because the reality is, this is where we've got to focus. We'll flip it around next week and kind of talk about that. Okay, I'm way over, so here's what we're going to do. This is going to be the least subtle transition of all time, but uh, that's headship for today. We'll touch on submission next week, right? Okay? So uh, we're, going to, we're going to go into kind of a response time right now, and we've got one more thing to do, which is elder fund. Beck, I'm going to have you come up here. We're going to sing one more song, and I love this. This is one of my favorite songs because it talks about Christ and it's this beautiful picture of him in the church. And here's what it says. It says, someday you will have your bride called by her true name. And it's gorgeous. So let's sing it together. We're going to do elder funds. So the bags are going to come by. Quick clarification. This money goes back to the community. This is not SBC money. Okay? So we're going to do that real quick. Let me pray for us. So Lord... Uh, thank you for giving us patience today as I've run long. Lord, we just thank you for the way that you head us as your church, the way that you care for us, the way that you love us. And Jesus, you're our model, uh, both for this week and for next. And so, Lord, we just thank you uh, for that. And so, Jesus, right now as we respond in worship, just pray that you would uh, really lead us in that and guide us. We pray this in your name. Amen.